Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I'm your host, Jared Weich. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. It's direct season. Let's go, Nintendo. Let's go, Nintendo. Episode 266, back in the fold to our regularly scheduled programming. Um, we're going to be going over in the quickie news segment some Jeff Grubb reports. Um, who's now at... I always get it confused. He's at a Giant Bomb Technically, which is GameSpot as a whole. Remember, he was a Venture Beat before and Games Beat. Uh, we had some Nintendo sales updates, and then, yeah, we're going to be rolling into the Direct, talking about um, almost everything that was announced or revealed, uh, but diving deeper into the stuff uh, you and I, Dom and I, actually uh, care about to some extent. Um, yeah, plenty of questions left for us to ponder with both uh, Tears of the Kingdom and these uh, Game Boy, Game Boy Advanced titles coming to the platform, so... Let's get into it. First off, Dom, we got a bit of an update. Earlier this year, we did our State of the Xbox and State of PlayStation podcasts, where we, for Xbox, we went over everything in development or rumored to be in development at Xbox Game Studios and Bethesda. And then for PlayStation, we covered everything under the PlayStation Studios banner, minus Bungie, because they're like in this weird side corner that they're technically run by Sony. They don't fall under the umbrella, at least of yet. Um, so we actually have a, an update for both of them, which is pretty neat. So the first one, uh, both of these are by Jeff Grubb, uh, like I said, of GameSpot. The first one um, is that, according to Grubb, Marvel's Wolverine from Insomniac Games, which is believed to be the their next release following Marvel's Spider-Man 2, hopefully this fall, fingers crossed, is said to, and these are bullet points I listed down, and we can go over them afterward. Uh, first up, it's said to have an M rating uh, for Mature, which is pretty interesting. We'll talk about what that means for the game. Uh, two, will likely feature human dismemberment that Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order wasn't able to with its T rating. Those two kind of go hand in hand. Three, currently targeting fall 2024, but could potentially be pushed to 2025 based on how the development progresses. Pretty standard stuff there. It won't be an open world game, likely to be a semi-open world wide linear design similar to God of War's level design, which I would also say is similar to like the modern Tomb Raider or even parts of Uncharted 4 too. Um, so yeah, let's talk about this. I think the first two go hand in hand, it having an M rating and then it, uh, having human dismemberment. I didn't play the Wolverine Origins licensed, uh, video game that everyone loved, Dom, the one based on the movie. Like everyone loves that video game. They say it's one of like the best licensed video games. Um, so I don't know if that game had dismemberment or not, but I think in the modern age of superheroes, if you're going to be making a Wolverine game, and we even saw from the teaser trailer that it is going to be more of a serious tone, right? We're not looking at, like, uh, Lego Avengers, or I would say even Spider-Man to some extent is a bit more lighthearted than what that teaser showed of him sitting in a bar getting ready for a brawl. Does it surprise you uh, that it, it'll likely feature human dismemberment? To me, the more surprising thing is that Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order was trying to have that, because that would have been dope to see, but I kind of get it with disney and their handling of star wars unfortunately yeah that was actually one of the things that always bothered me with uh fallen order was you clearly you know your lightsaber clearly went through a stormtrooper and yet he just kind of gets knocked back instead of you know cut in half as physics would dictate Um, it's kind of that weird it just feels off right like the animation just goes quick enough so they kind of they try to brush it off and it just doesn't quite work that being said uh, that also feels like why there's they went with a lot of droids in Star Wars because those head cut in half, right? Um, but it makes sense given that property. I mean, really, nothing in Star Wars ever goes past 
uh, T or PG-13, it seems like. Um, so that that doesn't shock me, I guess, that they really wanted to um, keep it T for that game. But for the Wolverine game, um, granted, my background is I watched Logan a couple years ago. That's all, the only thing I know about Wolverine is... You never watched the 90s X-Men cartoon? Nope. nope. Ah, dang. What a bummer. Okay. Don't know anything about X-Men. Just know Wolverine, he is uh, an old dude with blades that come out of his knuckles and just a gruff, mean guy, right? So um, my understanding, obviously, like, the larger Marvel universe is mostly, like, PG, PG-13 too, right, or T. But this doesn't shock me quite as much that at least for Insomniac that they're wanting to go like the darker route because obviously there there's I'm thinking of like the Netflix Marvel shows where like those got pretty gory and intense and dark right so I think it's not unheard of for some Marvel stuff to to go like the R M rated route so this is cool I think um, that they're not being limited by a rating of like yeah we can actually sounds weird to say it but it's cool that yes we can dismember human beings in this game (laughs) yeah and honestly i think it's great for the overall marvel games potential because for years we've talked about like oh if what developer would you pair with which property and i've said for a while that i'd love for machine games the developers of wolfenstein and the upcoming indiana jones game to do a punisher title and i was worried like oh man well how how violent would would marvel let them get with a game like that because when you think about the Marvel universe, especially when you're looking at like the more popular characters, the two like men who represent violence the most are Wolverine and Punisher for various reasons. Um, obviously, with Punisher, it's much more gun focused, but that doesn't mean like you know hitting somebody with a 50 cal sniper <laughs> isn't going to result in very gory uh, results. But this is cool. I'm I'm very interested to see if. Insomniac pushed for the mature rating not only to stay true to the character, but also to be able to differentiate it from Spider-Man so they do feel like two unique experiences. Not to say the gameplay alone won't do that, because I do think it's obviously going to be much more melee-focused, but they can tap into the more primal instincts of the character. Um, And I'm very curious to see what this results in in terms of boss fights and stuff, because if you have a mature rating, it allows you to have final results in a lot of boss fights. So that's going to be very interesting to see what type of characters they choose, which I'm not worried about them killing off major characters because it is a self-contained story. It isn't like the MCU where you kind of have to, well, we can't kill this guy in this movie because he's actually going to play an important role in two or three movies from now. Whereas with this, it's like they could introduce Sabretooth in the first game and you could end up killing him. Obviously, he's a big, uh, prominent um, opposing figure for for Logan. So yeah, I'm I'm really down with this. I the design stuff isn't too shocking. I'm I'm glad to hear it's not open world because we already know we're getting the Black Panther open world game, right? And then the rumored and, and Iron Man on, one. Do you remember if that one was open world? No, but that's a good point too. Because what I was going to say was um, thinking about each of those characters, like which of them and the way that they traverse makes the most sense for more open world, right? Obviously, Spider-Man can wing. <laughs> so Everywhere, it makes, yeah. It kind of makes sense that he's going to have an open world. Same with Iron Man, being able to fly around himself. Like, Wolverine, kind of like, well, if you're going to have an open world, how is he going to traverse? Is he can run super, super fast, where, like, it's that kind of action game, or does he have some kind of vehicle or whatever? You know what I mean? And that kind of, like, doesn't 
again, a bit ignorant on Wolverine, but I don't understand. Like, I can't picture how that would work. So it makes more sense to be more linear and controlled instead of just wide open world where you're kind of this dude, right? Yeah, um, I mean, when when he gets really angry, he does tend to run on all fours, like very primally, like a gorilla kind uh, of. Okay. Um, but it isn't a like accelerated speeds where it's like, oh, you're traversing this open world and you can get far distances. It's much yeah. more in in tighter corners. And I do think that fits him more because if you are going a more mature route, in order for the kills to feel more impactful, you don't want this guy to be able to traverse an entire open world, go to one location, kill a bunch of people, and then go to... Because then at that point, it kind of starts feeling like Grand Theft Auto in not mm-hmm. the best of ways. Sure. And even then, it's like to your point of how are you going to traverse? Are you just getting cars and like <laughs> drive right. between... It kind of takes away from the point of being Wolverine at that point. So I'm very excited to see what exactly they do here. Um, a question for you. You know that he wasn't like born with the metal in his body, right? I have no idea how he came to have the metal. So the, yeah, this is crazy. So like, obviously, <laughs> I've been rooted in superhero stuff forever, and Wolverine is one of the more popular ones. So like, not knowing his origin from my perspective is like not knowing Peter Parker didn't get bit by a spider. You know what I mean? Like, if you're if somebody's like, I know Sp- Peter Parker, and then you're like, you know how he got his powers, and they're like, no, that's kind of kind of weird, right? Um, and I guess it's so weird that you never caught any of the early X-Men movies either. But basically, so his big power is his regeneration, right? Like he can regenerate himself. He's basically yes, like immortal kind of in that way. Not really, but he has a crazy good regeneration. And he has bones in his body that extend from his body that create claws. So basically what happened is the Project X program, they took him in. They found this material called adamantium, which is like the primary metal in the comics. It's not um, vibranium from Wakanda, which they've made the primary metal in the uh, MCU because they didn't have X-Men rights. But basically they take this adamantium and they attach it to his skeleton. And basically it's like super painful for him, but because he can regenerate, he's able to go through the procedure. So they basically made a walking, unkillable machine with the world's strongest metal. Yeah, so he's never always had the metal, but it was attached to him in like very awful circumstances. Super power is the regenerability, but then the, the claws were actually enhancement <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. um it's this and his the program he was in was the same program that messed up deadpool so that's why they're kind of attached to the hip too and that's why okay. them being in the trilogy together makes sense and all of that stuff so yeah um I, i'm stoked for this though all everything there that's being reported about this i'm excited for we speculated remember of like is this going to be a, a miles morales situation where this game comes out soon after the first one and Miles Morales actually came out two years after the first, after Marvel's Spider-Man. I thought it was one year for some reason. Um, but I don't know if this comes out next year. I'd, I'd make more sense if they're already talking about 2025. Just push it. Who cares? I can wait two years after Marvel Spider-Man 2, especially if we anticipate some DLC from that game. Like, yeah, take your time. Um, but yeah, I can't wait. All this stuff sounds dope. In some less uh, fortunate news, on the Xbox side of things, uh, the Coalition has canceled its smaller non-Gears project along with another project. Uh, their next game will be Gear 6. This is also reported by Jeff Grubb. Now, if you remember in our Xbox State of, State of Xbox podcast, we talked about how in May of 2021, it was reported by Jeff Grubb and a bunch of other people that the studio was said to be working on the next entry in the Gears franchise, but also a brand new IP said to be smaller scale, probably similar to like a Hi-Fi Rush or a Pentiment. It's interesting hearing his report now saying that it was canceled alongside another project. 
So they actually had two different projects uh, that weren't Gears that were both canceled in favor of Gears 6. I got a theory for you if you want. Speculation. Yeah, let's hear it. So maybe you're going to get to this story next, or maybe it's not enough of a story, but there are like there was a lot of like weird stuff coming out of, um, oh my goodness, what are they called? Who makes Halo now? Um, 343. 343. Um, uh, they've laid off some people and they've had some struggles. Or, you know, And then Infinite hasn't been getting a lot of the support that we all hoped and all that kind of stuff. And so apparently now uh, they're kind of like resetting how they're doing things for the next Halo game, right? Whatever that means, who knows. But um, I wonder if this is, like from a Microsoft or an Xbox portfolio perspective, kind of like, ah, crap, we don't know when we're going to have another big Halo game or another big Halo DLC. So we need like a heavy hitter first party game sooner than we thought. Kind of goes against... Like reshuffling kind of? Yeah, and so so they kind of tell the coalition, like, you know what, we need Gears 6 to be pulled up a year. So like, cancel your other shit. Um, Well, my hope is maybe it isn't... Those things aren't technically canceled. They were kind of pushed to the back burner. Yeah, maybe, that's kind hopefully. of exactly what I pictured. Is like make Gear Six the priority because like we need a heavy hitter at least in the realm of uh, a shooter, right? Because yeah. obviously the, we we you and I love to talk about all the RPGs that are huge coming down the pipeline uh, in the next couple of years. So they're obviously they're flush there. But I mean, Xbox has always been known for I feel shooters like Halo and Gears and, and stuff like that. So maybe this is like a shift in their overall uh, portfolio to like get a big shooter out sooner because of how Halo Infinite's been going. Well, and to your point, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a smart idea there because you also think about the other studios they have that make shooters machine games. We just mentioned, they're not making a shooter. They're currently working on Indiana Jones. And then the only other major shooter developer I can think of is id, right? And what is it doing? I'm assuming it, people think it might be um, not Unreal Tournament. What's the other franchise they have that people love? Quake. People think it's like a Quake reboot, but how, who knows how far along that is. And then are they dealing with, and this is total speculation on my part, internal issues regarding the Marty Stratton stuff with the uh, McGordon composer and all that stuff. Like what's happening at that studio? Who knows? So yeah, to your point, it's like, well, we need a premiere. And Quake, as much as we love it, and even if, well, not we, but I mean like it game, the gaming community, even if they bring it back the way they did Wolfenstein in a major way, that first release isn't going to catch fire the same way just because it isn't on that level in terms of the general gaming community. Obviously, the Quake community is probably going to go crazy for it. Whereas with Gear 6, I know it doesn't sell the same as like a Halo, but it is one of Xbox's premier things. And yeah, I think that's a very valid point of like, it's a, the the smaller projects are just a victim of circumstance, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, they just, they had to reprioritize things. It would have been worse if we heard from Jeff Grubb and these reporters that, oh, they're working on these smaller projects and then they'll work on gears. It seems like they were all being worked on unilaterally all at the same time, regardless. And this, to your point, it might've just been moving resources to focus on gears. So we'll see. Cause I do eventually want to see that new IP from coalition. Um, they deserve to create something original since they've been having to work on it since Epic uh, left Microsoft and they were kind of created to be the Gear Studio. That's PlayStation and Xbox out of the way. Let's get to Nintendo. We're going to be covering the Nintendo Direct, but before that, we got a couple of sales updates that are pretty exciting for the Nintendo Switch and its software. So first up, the Switch, as of December two, uh, 2022, 
has reached a lifetime unit sales milestone of 122.55 million units. Yeah, so it now sits, for those who don't know, it now sits as the third best-selling uh, game console of all time behind the PS2, which sits at 155 million, and the Nintendo DS, which sits at 154 million. So technically, it's the second best-selling home console of all time and the second best-selling handheld of all time because it kind of fits both categories in that way. It, it's wild. Um, obviously, there's rampant speculation of when the successor is coming. Um, and, I, you know, who knows? We can see here and have a, an hour-long conversation about when it is based on the, the announcements they made at this direct we're going to get to. But that alone, 122.5 million units for something that... I think people forget that when it was originally being leaked and stuff, people were unsure if this concept um, of a handheld home console hybrid would work. Would it be fun? Would it be engaging? Would you lose out on both of them? Would it be more beneficial because you have all the developers working on one piece of hardware? How do you feel about it reaching this milestone? Pretty impressive, right? It's insanely impressive. Uh, for, like The DS and PS2 numbers are like Those don't even make sense. Like How did that even happen? You know what I mean? I mean, we... I'm, we know how it happened, but um, the Wii number is like having having Switch having passed the Wii is pretty cool because that the Wii was also one where like yeah that's because so many non gamers bought it and just bought Wii Sports and you can kind of like you can kind of like rationalize it in your head, but so it's first, a fraudulent contender in in sports terms. <laughs> it's like the the Vikings this year in the NFL or whatever. Like somehow they got to eleven wins or something. But anyway. Uh, yeah, for the Switch to get 122 million, and to be honest, at this point, I can't picture it slowing down too much over the next couple years, really, right? Especially because they have a wide range of SKUs. Like Switch Lite is 200 bucks. Let us not forget, and sometimes goes on sale for a bit cheaper. Switch Lite or Switch Mini, whatever it's called, the handheld only one. Um, and then that OLED one is a bit more expensive, but it's cool, right? Like to have an OLED screen, like that's awesome too. So you kind of got um and then the base model like you got like a good lineup of SKUs still that are like i feel like it's, it's not slowing down and even as we see um i think if we get one more like prime example of something like the latest pokemon games where they came out and they're great games but technical problems right that and of course that's not to say like some more time spent on it uh some more development time should have ironed that out but if they had more hardware processing power to work with that probably makes their job easier as developers to to like quash some of those squash some of those technical issues so if there like happens to be more like if breath of the wild comes out and it and it struggles to like hold 20 frames per second at tears of the kingdom like that wow thank you tears of the kingdom <laughs> yeah. they just look so exactly the same so it's hard to differentiate but yeah if that's like a big issue that like and i'm sure it's still going to be a great game and it's going to review well but like if it's like you know a step below Breath of the Wild because it's just too ambitious and the hardware can't support it, then I suspect we hear about the Switch Two, you know, by the end of the year, kind of a thing, and maybe it comes out next year. But if things keep moving, like even like third-party games that not as many can come because the hardware is so old, it feels like they're still doing good and they're not in a rush. Um, although I am absolutely in a rush for the Switch Two, and I would buy it tomorrow because. Uh, I would just like everything on there, even currently. Like, if it could get uh, a performance bump, frame rate bumps, all that kind of stuff would be awesome. So I'm ready for it, but I don't think Nintendo's in a hurry to put it out. 
Well, I mean, when you see these sales numbers, they don't have to be right. Exactly. And, you know, Home I think the smart thing, too, with combining... Wild. Yeah. It, t- t- the it, it, the attach rates for a ton of games is, is crazy for the Switch in general. It's, most franchises are seeing, like, record sales for their newest release. Um, and the thing, too, is it was so smart of them to combine the handheld and the home console because oh, yeah. I'm somebody who owned almost every handheld they've made. Uh, obviously, I've skipped here and there, but most of the handhelds I've owned for Nintendo, mostly because of Pokemon, uh, whereas, like, I didn't own a Wii. I didn't own a Wii U. Um, so I've skipped many home console generations um, for, I think, honestly, the last Nintendo console I owned before the Switch was the GameCube, uh, which would have made sense, right? Because it was GameCube, Wii, Wii U, right? Yeah, that's right. And I was, actually, yeah. I did briefly own a Wii U, but uh, yeah. And, but this forced me to buy it because even if I just wanted to play Pokemon games, this is the only place they're going to be. So that was smart on their end, too, because they're like, well, if you're a, a Nintendo console person or if you're a Nintendo handheld person, you guys both got to buy the same thing. Obviously, there's plenty of people who are both. But, yeah, it was really incredible. And obviously, it's paying off. The other sales milestone for uh, Nintendo, not specifically them, it's more the game company, uh, the Pokemon company and Game Freak. Um, you mentioned it, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. So it managed to sell 20.6 million units in just six weeks. It already, already in just six weeks of sales, comes in as the fourth best-selling mainline Pokemon generation despite releasing on November 18th, 2022. And only sales up until the end of 2022 are being counted. So it's coming in at number four with 20.6 total sales. Do you know what the top three generations are, Dom? I would guess one of the DS ones because there were so many consoles out there. That, that no. No. You know what? Maybe the DS had a bit of a Nintendogs effect. But uh, that, in that case, I don't think any of the 3DS ones, so maybe like one of the GBA ones. I'm hesitant to pick like, you know, red and blue because they're just too early, but I don't know. What is it? So coming in at number three, and we'll talk about this later in, in the show when we talk about the Direct. Gold and silver. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, 23.7 po- 23. million. Dang. Coming in at number two with 25.6 million, Sword and Shield. Oh, okay, yeah, sure, sure. And when you have 120 million units out there, that's one-fifth yeah. of the user base buying Pokemon. It's crazy. Forget about the other Switch games, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and number one, red, green, and blue at 31 million. Okay. You know what? They don't count yellow in this, which is weird. Yellow actually has 16 million. So if yellow was included, it'd be outrageous. But yeah, red, green, and blue are all one, and then yellow's on its own. Uh, that's probably. I wonder how much of a benefit like the time has been for that. You know, I, I assume they're counting. It gets re-released on 3DS. Um, those sales count towards it and stuff like that. But they're just being. Yeah, I don't know. That's impressive. Red and blue. Good work, guys. Yeah, I mean, you have to think too, like. At the time, that was, like, the system seller for Game Boy is, like, yeah. red, green, and, well, not for us, green, red and blue for us. But, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And, honestly, I could see a world where, like, 20.6 million units at launch, essentially, for the first six weeks, there's a strong possibility that Scarlet and Violet become the best-selling Pokemon game of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're talking about, what, 11, 10 million units, essentially? That they need to hit for the rest of its existence, and we still have the DLC coming out this year. Like, come on now. I I think it has a serious chance. 
Now, let's talk about the Nintendo Direct, February 2023. So, Nintendo held its first Direct of 2023, a 40-minute-long presentation assumed to feature The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom in some capacity. Let's go over all of the interesting updates and reveals. So, I structure this in a way where we talk about the stuff we care least about at the beginning, Dom, and we slowly move into the, the more important things for us. So first up, I labeled this section as things people were stoked for, but we're unfamiliar with. So these are things that they announced or revealed that are like people were popping off in the chats. People were going crazy on, well, not on Twitter because it was broken at the time. Thanks, Elon Musk. But like, you know, it just, we have no attachment. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll read one of these and you're like, actually, Jared, but I highly doubt that's the case. I got to say, so, in, in general, this direct, especially and in the last couple as well, I've learned about so many like older games that are like, so beloved that are now getting their remasters and i'm like i've never even heard of it and people are like losing their shit about it coming to switch for the first time and i'm like oh this is new information to me and a game i didn't know existed <laughs> yeah and then i think about it, i'm like well if they ever announced a jade cocoon game this random ass ps2 grpg i played i'd be stoked for that but no one would care so right. i get it yeah or tomba uh anyways so this is yeah this section is things people were stoked for but we're unfamiliar with one a new samba de amigo game this is a rhythm game featuring a monkey uh seems a little bit like cultural appropriation but we'll let it slide nintendo uh <laughs> next up ghost trick phantom detective which is this mystery thriller game where your detective dies and you're a ghost that controls objects to help uh victims get away from their perpetrators look like Very this seemed ghost. like oh this is um i'm thinking of uh oh man what's the guy's name patrick swayze you know that, that movie the, that's what this had me feeling like in an anime kind of <laughs> uh, I thought this was just a cute new like Japanese mystery game, but apparently this is like a port of a really beloved mystery thriller that was like on PC or something. So Even yeah, people that. were popping off for this. Uh, next up, this one was actually one of the things that leaked before the direct, uh, but it didn't get a lot of uh, uh, media attention because of it's just more of a, a, a niche JRPG, which is Baton Kaidos One Plus Do HD Remasters. These were GameCube RPGs. This week was the first time I've ever heard the name of these games, honestly. Yep. Same here. And this totally feels like the type of game I would have seen at a GameStop, but I just would have glanced at it, not even read the name, just saw like the box art and kept it moving. So, yeah, people are excited for that. Good for them. Always nice when these older RPGs get HD remasters. Uh, and GameCube, man, as always, continues to be one of the most underrated consoles in, in video game history. So it's good to see many of those games get ported because... That's a console that we're seeing now in the last five years, Dom, where those copies of those games are shooting up in price for collectors. They're, like, getting super expensive. Um, and we're going to see an, another uh, port, in a way, with the uh, Resident Evil 4 Remake later this year, which is also a key GameCube game as well. Uh, next up, sticking with the JRPG train, the original three Etrian Odyssey games, which is now Etrian Odyssey Origins Collection, which is an HD collection of the first three games, got announced. People were popping off for this. Very interesting uh, game where, like, you have to go through these mazes and you have to, like, write out the maze directions in the game to figure out where treasures are and enemies. Um, they completely redid all the, like, character and monster art, which is really cool. Um, yeah, so excited for people who are excited at your Odyssey. I've heard of this one before. This is kind of the ones you hear uh, just in... Knowing yeah. about video games, like, oh, it's your Odyssey, people talk about that, but that wasn't no familiar, attachment but it, here. It at least sounded familiar, the name, it's your Odyssey. Yeah, 
This last one is interesting because it's a franchise I very much wanted to get into because it sounds like my shit, but I've never had the chance to. And that's Professor Layton in the new world of Steam. People love the Professor Layton games. And I was wondering why people were popping off because to me, Professor Layton always felt like a series that comes around quite often and people are just always stoked for the next one. But this one felt like a community thirsting for a new experience. So I looked into it and this is actually the first new game in the series since 2017. Six years. Okay, yeah. And it'll be the first one released for the Nintendo Switch. So, so the last one must have been I think it Yes, it was in twenty seventeen, it was it was on DS. The DS three DS. Oh, no, okay. sorry, three DS. Yeah, okay, sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah, it was one of the swan songs for, for the three DS. But yeah, so pretty interesting. I like the name. The new world of Steam sounds cool. Um yeah, but like I said, it's always a series I've wanted to touch base on, but I never had a chance to. It's kind of like, um, what's the uh, Ace Attorney? I've always wanted to dip into that, too. I just never had a chance. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. This is Professor Layton is different. Huh. Yeah. Pro- Professor Layton is like a, a mystery game with like a more of a cartoony art style, whereas Ace Attorney is the, obviously, attorney in like the anime style. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was thinking of that. Uh, next up, DLC and expansion packs revealed for Xenoblade Chronicles 3, Splatoon 3, Fire Emblem Engage, and Mario Kart 8. The Mario Kart 8 one was interesting because they showed off a Yoshi's Island track, which is cool, mm-hmm. but they also are putting Birdo in the game, which is wild. That's not something I expected for them to add a new character. Yeah, I was I was excited to see this because it wasn't a part of what was advertised in this DLC. Um, and I bought, you know, I bought the season pass or whatever for it, like I think a year ago or something at this point. And yeah, they never mentioned new characters, so I was like, oh yeah, that's awesome. Just like the last pack, they added in um, basically not a new game mode, but the ability to like specifically pick the items you do or don't want to be used in a race, which is cool. So I'm glad that they're they're adding a couple extra things. Like, yeah, Birdo. I'm going to give Birdo a try. Funny looking dude. Let's go. Yeah. Um, it, it was very odd, but it's cool. I, I love when, pe- when these companies add stuff that isn't advertised as like extra bonus stuff. Um, the Splatoon 3 DLC, from what I saw and heard from people, is that the first half of it, which is like Inkopolis, like a hub area, is kind of lame that that's like paid DLC. But the second one looked very interesting, where it was like a completely black and white world, which obviously with Splatoon, where it's a game where you paint stuff, um, apparently that's a story DLC. And um, they say that the Splatoon story DLC is actually some of the best stuff for that game. I would, wouldn't know because I've never played any of those. But yeah. Next up, let's get to the individual game announcements, and everything on here is something I was interested in, or I assume you're also interested in, um, so hopefully that is the case. So the first one is Disney Illusion Island, uh, so it looks like a fun platform with neat animations, art style, and upgrades. Um, it's coming out July 28th, 2023. This was announced at that Disney uh, showcase that friend of the show, Blessing Adioye Jr., kind of funny hosted late last year. Oh, yeah. Um, for me, my only concerns of this game are is the movement speed and the feel of the game. Because um, when you watch it, like, the animations are very cool. It looks fun. The upgrades of, like, double jumps and all of that look nice. But the characters move at a pace where I hope it doesn't feel sluggish to play. As long as that's not the case, I think it'll at least be a fun time. Um, we don't get enough, like, quality Disney licensed games uh, in this way. So I'm excited to see if this nails it for something... I'm always down for a new platformer. And I'm also interested to see what the price point is. I didn't look into that. I don't even know if it's listed yet. But if it's like a cool 15, 20 bucks, I'm in. And 
fingers crossed, maybe it hops into Game Pass at launch too. Next up, this is one of the surprises of the Direct, um, Harmony of the Fall of Reverie. So, this is developed by Don't Nod. Do you remember this game on, on the Direct? Yeah. So this is developed by Don't Nod. Obviously, developers Life is Strange 1 and 2, Tell Me Why, and that Banisher's Ghost of New Eden game that's supposed to be coming out this year looks really cool. It's like a third-person action-adventure game. So this is a narrative-driven adventure experience with branching story paths. The protagonist has clairvoyance, and they can see the future and travel to different worlds. Seems to have an interactive timeline that showcases decisions and consequences the player has made. Uh, the main, the main uh, focus of it is that the character deals with six aspirational deities. Those being The ones that were shown out of the six were Chaos, Power, and Bond, which are these greater beings that probably affect your decision-making and the story itself. Um, one of the biggest selling points for me, they announced the music of this game is by the composer of Celeste, whose uh, name is Lena Rain. That's a huge selling point. You got Don't Nod Give Me a Narrative uh, Adventure Dom with Celeste Composer making the music. Ooh, baby. Uh, it launches first on console for Switch in June 2023. The art style is cool. It looks kind of like Invincible, but it also has a lot of the character art from like the, the, the stagnant stuff looks very Hades to me. Especially oh, the deities, yeah. the chaos, power, bond. They definitely have that like stylish uh, vibe that's going to create a lot of uh, horny fan art on Tumblr and Reddit <laughs> and all those places I'm, on Twitter. I'm watching the trailer now, and you're right about the art style. Very invincible, but then, yeah, some of the, the god-looking people, yeah, look more like Hades. But what stuck out to me, too, is that, that city that it kind of showcased looks very cyberpunkish, I guess I'd say. Uh, very future well you travel yeah you travel in time so you can like see the future the oh, main character okay. can travel like different universes they have like clairvoyance and you actually even see it looks like an rpg skill tree but i think when you pause and you look at it it seems like it's actually the branching of the story and you can possibly go back and make change decisions and lead the the branching path down a different corridor um this is a game i'm super excited to play i won't be playing this on switch because like we've talked about it's not necessarily the place where I go to for, not that this game needs serious performance, but the art is so beautiful and stuff that I'd rather just wait for this to come to Xbox or PlayStation to get my hands on it. Hell, possibly even just PC because it's not going to make my computer burn or anything. So very excited. Big surprise. Don't Night is one of those studios, Dom, where I'm very interested in what they make because they've, you know, between Tell Me Why and Life is Strange, uh, they, they've hooked me. So I'm very intrigued. What about you? Seeing that trailer, does it, Caps you a bit to be interested in, or? Well, again, we're gonna go back to my my list of shame. Cause yeah, I still haven't played any of the Life of Strange games. I I like am, any day now. I'm gonna play True Colors. Um, uh, talk about it so much, and I think that's up my alley. But this looks cool too. I really like that art style. Um, yeah, I wanna I kind of want to see more about like the gameplay, I guess. But but yeah, I'm I'm pretty interested. I think it has a lot of potential. Yeah, um, Life is Strange, True Colors, and One, I think, are definitely the ones you need to play. Uh, two two is good, but it, it, it's not as good as the other two, in, in my opinion. Um, next up, Pikmin 4. Uh, they introduced an adorable new dog companion that helps you traverse, like, little ponds and stuff. Um, little Pikmin dog. Um, I don't know if he's actually a Pikmin or if he's a different weird alien species. They should have new Pikmin types, like the Ice Pikmin which is kind of terrifying when you think about it, of all these little ice creatures hopping on this giant monster and freezing it to death, and it just shatters yeah. apart. 
Like thinking about landing on an alien planet and running into a creature like that is horrifying. Like just these like little things that jump on. Like it reminds me of you remember the tiny dinosaurs from like one of the Jurassic Park movies, like the little tiny tiny little ones that are like pack hunters. See, if it wasn't the first Jurassic Park, you missed me with it. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't watch it in theaters. It was like a rerun, like on TNT when <laughs> when I was like eight years old. So might have been the third one. I don't know, Lost World yeah. or something. Um. Anyways, they also teased a nighttime environmental change to the map where the, the enemies kind of, their eyes glow red. It reminded me a little bit of, um, like oh, I keep wanting to say Dead Island, Dying Light. Yeah. yeah, yeah, where the enemies are maybe a bit tougher at nighttime. That's coming July 21st, 2023. Funny thing about that release date is this was the first game shown in the, in the showcase. And the direct stated, it's mostly going to be covering games in the first half of 2023. And the first game they showed breaks that rule which Nintendo always does, which is really funny. So I think it's a good release date for it, uh, end of the summer. And I'm intrigued because, man, Tinykin was so good, and Tinykin is basically a spiritual successor to Pikmin. So Pikmin 4 does have my interest. Um, so keep an eye out on that one. Uh, this one, I have to state, I heard a little bit of rumblings that the release date for this game was going to be announced at this Direct. So I went ahead and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to make a bid for it on Fantasy Critics League. And that is Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 Reboot Camp. So I heard that this release date was going to be announced. I'm like, you know what? I do have confidence this game's coming out this year. Do I believe it is going to be announced that the date is going to be ready to go for the Direct? Who knows? But it is. Uh, it's finally releasing on April 21st. Uh, they discussed the map creator online and local multiplayer. Showcased more of the beautiful animation for the cutscenes that they have in this game. Just nice to see this game finally coming out. Unfortunate circumstances caused it to be delayed kind of indefinitely due to the war in Ukraine. Uh, another reason just to say, you know, fuck you, Russia. Obviously, more important reasons to say that than a video game delay. But, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it finally got a release so these developers can showcase. Because this game looks beautiful. Um, it's kind of uh, one of the trends in this show was between the JRPGs maybe we weren't interested in, but also this, and then we'll get to Metroid Prime. Just, you know, new versions of older games people love coming back is always a beautiful thing. Next up, Octopath Traveler 2. Um, they announced a prologue demo with save data transferring over to the full game in the same way the first game implemented it in its pre-release demo. Nothing much to say there if you're already interested in Octopath Traveler 2, uh, but it's nice that they did this again where play the prologue, see if you like the game. If you do, don't worry, your save data is transferring over. Always a dope thing there. This one is probably my favorite announcement of the Direct Dom. Sea of Stars. I drafted mm -hmm. this in Fantasy yep. Critics League, hoping and praying this game came out this year. But if I'm being honest, I was much more in the Hollow Knight Silk song boat of like, I could see it coming out this year. I could totally see it just skipping another year, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, not only did we get the release date of August 29th, which is a bit later in the year than I wanted, but I think it's perfect timing for me to be able to hop into it with not much else around it, at least for a week or two. Um but they shadow dropped a demo, and I actually downloaded the Octopath Traveler 2 and Sea of Stars demo for the Switch. I haven't had a chance to play them yet, but that's always dope. We weren't sure if this game was coming out this year, Dom, and it, it shadow dropped a demo, which is always cool. Yeah. Again, not the first half of the year, Nintendo, but <laughs> yeah. it's okay. We forgive you. Uh, it's, they just like play with that edge so much, that boundary. But yeah, unfortunately, bad for me for Fantasy Critic, but I'm looking forward to this too, because um, I've been like getting like i don't know more of these rpgs even in the older style and catching my eye so uh, i hope this uh, uh 
lives up to the expectations. Because I keep forgetting that same place that made The Messenger, right? That yep. game, that platformer, action platformer, whatever we call it, which everyone loved. So I think there's some high expectations that I think it should be fun, though. I mean, here's hoping we get the trifecta of, like, my dream would be we get Hollow Knight Silk Song, Mina the Hollower, and this all this year. Oh, man. <laughs> I can't wait for Mina the Hollower, dude. Uh, I know. That's that that's a Dom bait right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's like it, they yeah, knew and, me. They pulled it out of my brain. The thing with Sea of Stars is, like, in some ways, whenever I see that game, it feels too good to be true because you see the art. It's incredible. You hear the music. It's outstanding. They have like guest composer like Matsuda coming in and making music for the game. The the uh the animation between the characters, you see not only the the overworld but the actual like uh, it just looks so good and I hope it lives up to expectations and I can't wait to get my hands on it and can't wait to hop in the de- to the demo this weekend. Next up, probably the biggest surprise of the entire direct, Metroid Prime Remastered. Shadow Drop digitally, physical release coming on February 22nd, two weeks from now. And it's, it came out at 40 bucks, which is a bit of a surprise. No Nintendo tax there. It actually came yeah. out at 40 bucks, which there's a bit of a tax we're going to be talking about in the next game. But for now, 40 bucks, hell of a price. Um, single game, not the trilogy, but Jeff Grubb still deserves his hair back. Nintendo, please give Jeff Grubb his hair back. The fact that they it was Shadow Drop, I think, makes it sting even worse for him. Uh, a lot of people, I saw this sentiment too, Dom, that calling it Metroid Prime Remastered feels like it's selling it short by Nintendo standards when it's essentially on the same level as The Last of Us Part 1 Remake with entirely remade assets. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently like a bunch of the assets in the game are completely remade, um, which is quite surprising. Uh, for me, I think saying on the same level as Last of Us Remastered Part 1 Remake is a little rich for my blood, but I get what they're coming with that sentiment. Uh, yeah, it looks cool. I don't know when I'm going to hop in necessarily. Honestly, this is one of the things where the the shadow drop hurts me hopping into it right away, Don, because I've already had like planned out I'm going to get to Atomic Heart on the 21st. I don't know if I want to hop into this now. Also, the economy we're in, video games isn't a cheap <laughs> hobby. Kind of have to budget out everything that's going on. So it is dope, and I want to get to it. Um, man, I just... Do you think they're going to piecemeal this out where it was originally a trilogy, but now they're just going to release some piecemeal to give them a longer tail to whenever Metroid Prime 4 comes out? Honestly, no. Um, probably not. I feel like this is going to sell really well, um, and they probably might not ever do it. Maybe in the next console, maybe on the Switch 2, is when Metroid Prime 2 gets its remaster or something. I don't know. I, it, it, rem- it feels similar to the Mario All-Stars situation not that they're going to pull it from the store or anything like that but where yeah just mario galaxy 1 is included not mario galaxy 2 no because that would be we don't need then to why were all the why were all the rumors for the longest time that it was the trilogy then why do you think that was just miscommunication misunderstanding that feels like it could be miscommunication um but i, I could be wrong and it could be yeah, in, in you know a year from now if it's piecemeal i feel like it's gonna be very stretched out um the way that they're pulling everything apart it really frankly it drives me nuts like the way they're just and i get why they have to do it like they're trying to maximize their profit over time and stuff like that like they have the stuff done and it's good and they're just um trying to like use that equation of like you know how much can we sell all at once and then well we've maxed out that so we got to start drip feeding a little bit more so i feel like if they do the second one it'll probably be a year from now 
um, and then another year for the third one if that if they ever decide to. they might just I, sometimes I don't understand them they just like they're like that eh, no bother we'll just do one and two we won't do three I could totally see that even though it's infuriating but I or they I'm, yeah go ahead sorry I was just gonna say I could also see a weird Nintendo thing where they release two and three as a bundle like yeah uh, two and three are coming Honestly. out together <laughs> yeah or like two and three are included with the Nintendo online subscription. You know what I mean? That wouldn't necessarily yeah. shock me either. But yeah. I'm super pumped for this. So uh, last year, uh, or rather 2021, I played Metroid Dread, the first Metroid game I'd ever played. And it was it was incredible. Like It was like nearly as good as Hollow Knight. Um, not as good of a value proposition, of course, but the game was superb. And I'm like, wow, I think I like Metroid. And so this feels like perfect opportunity. Like, oh, let's try the 3D first person Metroid like that everyone love so much and i'm trying to picture like how it could translate from what i played in dread how that could translate to first person and kind of got me stumbling a little bit but the fact that it's so beloved uh, obviously is where the confidence comes from so i'm gonna pick this up actually when it's um uh physically released i'm looking forward to it hell yeah uh next up another game that you're super excited for legend of zelda tears of the kingdom so this was a story focused trailer showcased a darker and more corrupt world uh, new enemy variants as well. Uh, some questions that were presented. One, will the game have voice acting? Feels like we heard Ganon, Ganondorf, and Zelda uh, in the trailer, at least. Um, two, what's up with Link's arm? His arm's yeah. messed up. What's up with his arm? Sekiro and, style. Yep. And three, is the tractor glider a modular vehicle tool, or does it have set constructs? This is a question people are talking about, too, of like, that that the vehicles are they like okay you make this vehicle for this purpose this vehicle for this purpose or is it you have all of these tools at your disposal put it into a weird shape and it does different things you know what I mean it, it face really, it this way it's a wheel face it this way it's like a air pusher or something it really gave me the vibe of the gummy ship from Kingdom Hearts where um you literally piece it together with stuff you find it kind of like felt like that and then knowing how much Breath of the Wild emphasized the physics of the world and everything and with its puzzles and stuff like that i could really picture exactly what you're saying where they they use the physics engine to you know have more fun with vehicles especially i think some of the funniest um videos you could find from breath of the wild of people like using bombs and stasis to like launch themselves you know miles into the sky and across the map and all, all sorts of crazy shit um and then eventually they did give us like the motorcycle dlc or whatever to traverse better because i think I think they kind of took us took that as a sign of like, let's get fun. Let's give them some more tools to traverse. Um, was he pony in the Breath of the Wild? I don't know specifically, but you could ride horses. Yes. Okay, I don't remember doing that. Maybe I just never focused on that. Because the, the like horse in the famous. trailer is that just a random horse or is that a pony? I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not the Zelda guy, so I have no idea. Let's go back to the what's up with Link's arm thing. Some people are speculating that this might be an evolution of the Sheikah Slate and that all of your powers come from this, like, messed up arm, which would be cool because we even see in the amiibo that they're releasing that his, like, hand is glowing. It's his right hand. Huh. Yeah. That uh, something. Which I would love if all of his powers were into his arm and make it a little bit better than having to control this weird iPad, which seems like it was one of the things. Nintendo does this sometimes where, like, Let's put an object that looks like the console this game is being made for in the game. And that yeah. totally felt like we're making this for the Wii U, make his thing the Wii U gamepad. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So 
Uh, that's interesting. It also goes hand in hand with. Did you see the image Nintendo of America posted of like the messed up Master Sword? Yes, where it's like deteriorated. The whole bottom half of the blade is like it's like a dagger now. It's like the Master messed. Dagger, yeah, or short yeah. sword. Like it's been aged uh, or something and just rusted out. And like looks looks ferocious almost. Yeah, and I wonder if this is going to be part of maybe the opening cutscene where um, the at reanimated corpse is like fighting link and it maybe grabs a hold of the master sword right deteriorates it and then maybe uh he attacks zelda and link gets in the way and maybe grabs his arm and as a result his arm gets messed up or something you know what i mean yeah it looks cool though it looks much darker which i uh, which i like and I'm, I'm down to give this game a chance even though i didn't vibe as much with breath of the wild as everyone else did and i've been actually contemplating hopping back into breath of the wild for a bit before the new one and give giving it a second chance because I'm always down for that. The 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 first question I wrote down though is is this game gonna have voice acting or do you know just trailer stuff? Uh, I think for sure. Breath of the Wild had a lot of voice acting, so I would imagine um it would be the same. Like probably everyone except Link talked like first game. I guess that's a more interesting question. Is Link gonna talk in this? You don't think so? No, I don't think so. I, I think they'll stick with how things worked with Breath of the Wild because like there's interesting. This is a little different than usual with. A new Zelda game. It's not often we get a direct sequel, right, with the same art style. Um, and even, well, I guess it's been six years, so it's been a while. But um, yeah, so I think stuff like that will stay the same. I don't think you hear Link talking. The thing with voice acting, though, in Breath of the Wild, and I could be misremembering because it's been so long since I played that game. Wasn't it where like the it was the kind of like the the thing where characters would say like part of their dialogue, but then there'd also be like a lot of the dialogue that you just read. Yeah, like. I'm really digging in the memory now. It was very JRPG in that sense. I felt like like Persona, where there's like somewhere in between like a cutscene, but not just standing there talking like in game, where they would still be there would still be voice acting. And obviously there were full on cutscenes with voice acting. I could be misremembering some of the specifics here, but you're right. There was still a lot of text. There still was not every character spoke every single line for sure. Some kind of mix. Yeah, and I think that's one area where not only Legend of Zelda as a series, but also Pokemon, I think, needs to evolve into the modern era. Because I think it also lends to the immersion of the games as well. Um, for me, personally. Uh, th- that stuff sometimes can take me out of it. You know what, actually, I think will help with that, help us get there, is the Mario movie. Where just, there's some funny videos online of people reacting to the casting announcements, and... I think it's gonna. It was gonna be hard. I mean, some of them are objectively funny choices, right? But it was always gonna be hard to translate. Like, how the heck do you give Toad a voice and Mario and Luigi? It doesn't really make sense. Um, so we kind of have to like learn if if this is a path we want to go. And like, I'm with you. Like, I think that can make things more modern. It doesn't always have to be that way, but I think it's worth delving into that. And I think getting us all over this initial weird awkwardness of like accepting. Yeah, Toad can have a voice, and it can make sense, and it's okay. And I think that'll help us get into give some voices to other characters too, and in, in games and stuff. Um, and I'm just not that that was like planned or anything, but that's yeah. what I'm kind of vibing with. I think that relates a lot to Legend of Zelda, but Pokemon has no excuses. We've had the anime for twenty years, oh, twenty five years at this point. Yeah, like we yep. we've heard people in the world of Pokemon talk. Just make them talk, please, for the love of God. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah, I want to talk about, is there any, we talked about the arm and the Master Sword. Uh, based on the trailer, is there any theory or idea you want to throw out there 
that you have? Because obviously you're more of the Zelda guy than I am. Not really, because this wasn't like the most exciting trailer to me. Because I even have to like go and remind myself what the heck even happened in Breath of the Wild. Because it was kind of abstract to me. Um, like the story of that game wasn't the highlight to me. I guess it was. Me neither. Like I, I can't remember really anything. I remember you talked to some like people that like fish people and. You had to, like, were, save the champions or, I don't know. Like, I barely remember a lot of that game's story, if I'm being honest. there were I definitely remember, like, some of the side quests and, like, some of the smaller stories within it being really good. But the larger, like, you know, Zelda is using all her power to keep Hyrule from being destroyed permanently and all this stuff, like, and with Ganon and everything. Like, I, I kind of lost some of that. So, like, I, I didn't get too into the story details of this trailer. And I certainly am not going to, like, speculate too much. I'm just going to have to, like, remind myself to go back and get some summaries. Because I'm with you. I'm not going to, probably not going to go back and play Breath of the Wild again. But I need to be reminded of what the heck actually happened. So, yeah. I I, I was more interested in, like, the gameplay elements of this trailer. Like, we talked about with the the, the vehicles, which was, like, a weird way to Or sliding on the, the cart rails or whatever. That looks sick. Yeah, that was cool. One thing else I noticed, too, like, almost every shot from this trailer seemed, like, designed to remind us how big the world is and like every shot you could see out like you're top of a mountain or overlooking a valley or like it really they want it seemed like they intentionally wanted to emphasize the size of the world it felt even bigger than breath of the wild but like that game was also really big i gotta remember too i think out of all the trailers too this one showed the most stuff that looked similar to breath of the wild towards the end of the trailer and i think that was purposefully to remind people like Hey, if you love Breath of the Wild, you're going to love this because you start off with like a lot of the darker tone stuff and they're like, no, no, it's still Breath of the Wild. Don't worry. Come back. He's double jumping off of a thing with his glider. Yeah. Like it's Breath yeah. of the Wild, you know, that's what it seemed like. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I'm yeah. I wonder how engaging the story is going to be. My one want from this game, and I don't know how realistic it is, is I just want to be able to play as Zelda at some point in this game. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, um, be- yeah. Um, let's get to the last part. Which was, and you called this, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance titles coming to Nintendo Switch right. Online. So let me go through this real quick. Launch lineup for the Game Boy. Tetris, Super Mario, 2, uh, Super Mario Land 2, 6 Golden Coins, The Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening DX, Gargoyles Quest, Game & Watch Gallery 3, Alone in the Dark, The New Nightmare, Metroid 2, Return of Samus, Wario Land 3, Kirby's Dream Land, and then teased for future editions, uh, teased future editions included The Legend of Zelda Oracle of Ages, Oracle of Seasons, Pokemon Trading Card Game, Kirby Tilt and Tumble. Now for the launch lineup for the Game Boy Advance, we got Super Mario Advance 4, Super Mario Brothers 3. What a mouthful. That's not confusing. Uh, WarioWare Inc., uh, Mega Micro Games, Kuro 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 Ruin, <laughs> uh, Mario Kart Super Circuit, Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga, The Legend of Zelda The Minish Cap, which is dope. Uh, teased future editions include Metroid Fusion, Kirby and the Amazing Mirror, Fire Emblem, F-Zero Maximum, Vo- Maximum Velocity, and Golden Sun. Additional details, you can use Game Boy, Game Boy Pocket, or Game Boy Color screen filters for the Game Boy games to customize your playstyle. Game Boy Advance games require the Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack higher tier plan, whereas the Game Boy games uh, only require the base plan. No mention of any mainline Pokemon games. Uh, which Wild should we expect an announcement during Pokemon Day, Dom? Usually every year for Pokemon Day, which is February 28th this year, that's when they have like the Pokemon Direct 
that has to be where they announce it, right? I can't see the Pokemon games not coming to this. Yeah, that would unless like there's more remakes or remasters planned. That's true, the only true. way. Yeah. Like maybe um because they've been on a good schedule of like remaking the next gen that hasn't been remade, right? And now eventually they're gonna catch up, it feels like. <laughs> or like they're gonna run out of because now they've remade up to the DS games, some of them. Gen think, four. Right? Which were the worst remakes. They were awful. Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl, not good. I could see them at some point, maybe not instead of, but like adjacent to like their standard remakes as they climb to present day. Also going back to the beginning again, because they did remake, obviously, uh, Red and Blue with Fire Red and... uh, Leaf Green. Leaf Green. (laughs) Um, So I could definitely see them doing another remake of, of Red, Blue, Yellow or something like that. Which I guess they did Let's Go Yellow, Let's Go Pikachu, which uh, arguably not a remake. But my point being, that would be one way I could see these Pokemon games not come to the online services if we're about to find out, maybe on Pokemon Day, uh, that they're doing some remakes or remasters to be sold individually. Otherwise, it's like, they got to be coming soon, soon, right? Yeah. I mean, so my dream Pokemon Day would be the DLC for Scarlet and Violet. All of these games for Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance coming to the 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 thing, and the last thing I want is I want Pokemon Legends Mew. I want Pokemon Legends Arceus, but in the Kanto region, I think that prints money itself because uh, obviously Gen One is the most popular Gen. Uh, going back to a lot of these games, I mean, they have enough stuff here enticing me that like I've never played. Uh, it's a lot of Zelda games, honestly. I never played either of the Oracle game Oracle games, which you talk about and love, uh, Ages and Seasons. And I never played Minish Cap, which also looks like one of the sickest it's Zeldas. It's where... so good. Yeah. It's, it's right. It's maybe maybe not quite as good as, as Seasons and Ages, but it does so much unique stuff. But all three of those games have really um, some unique mechanics and items and weapons and stuff like that. And, oh, man, like I miss those top-down Zelda games. That, that style of game, I kind of like went away, it feels like. And then Link's Awakening DX, I played the new Link's Awakening, so I don't really feel the need to go play. I played the the, the more modernized version of that. But the other ones that catch my eye are the original Fire Emblem and Golden Sun, which people talk about in those two yes. games. I'm like, same oh, th- those I'm down for. Even Metroid Fusion, which came out the same day uh, as uh, Metroid Prime originally, which is oh. crazy. Imagine that. Imagine launching <laughs> two games. That'd be like Uncharted... Two and Golden Abyss. I don't know what the timeline is. What's the closest un- mainline Uncharted to Golden Abyss? Two. Oh, I don't know. Stuff let's just say this is might might be wrong, but say let's like Uncharted Two and Golden Abyss launching on the same day. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's right. crazy. It's very weird. Um. Yeah. So interesting stuff here. Obviously, it's no surprise Nintendo decided to put one of them behind the the bigger paywall. But there's one thing we forgot to talk about, Dom. Why is Tears of the Kingdom $70? Here's the thing. I wrote down two questions, and obviously they're they're a bit rhetorical, but the first one, is it justified? Sure, it's the company deciding to put it at $70 that's justified. No one would argue that Tears of the Kingdom isn't going to have quote-unquote $70 worth of content, right? Like, that's not really the issue. The issue is, like, why do it now? You're nearing the end of your life cycle for your console. You're not... It's not like this is a Switch OLED exclusive game either. You know what I mean? Right. Um, 
it's like this is on the same platform as all the other games. It's just like, well, the other people are doing it. This is like the one game we can do it and get away with it the easiest, right? That's what it feels like. Because even even Sony, who started this, right? At least it's it's so weird to be like kind of defending them in this conversation, but at least the PS4 versions of games that are seventy dollars on PS5 are still sixty on PS4. Yeah. Even like even and I don't like those either. Obviously, Xbox's model is way more consumer friendly, but. At least, you know, God of War Ragnarok was $60 for the PS4 version. And you could upgrade or whatever for 10 or you know, that kind of thing. But it's so, like, there, there's nothing really to justify technically. Or, like, they can't point to anything to say, like, this is worth 70 Whereas the last one was 60 And all other Nintendo Switch games are 60 So, obviously, a big Fire question. Emblem, Fire Emblem Engage just came out, and it was 60 It's, I, I... I I wish they obviously hadn't done this, and I think it's 3D. I guess you know, it it's a good reminder that that the cost of games, the cost it takes to make games, um, uh, it is only ever gonna like impact the price of the game that's sold to us in ways that it's what they might point to, but it doesn't actually make any difference because at the end of the day, like this is capitalism, and companies are gonna charge as much as they possibly can to get yep. the sales they need, right? So it doesn't matter if it costs them $5 to make Tears of the Kingdom. They're going to charge the highest amount they can. They're not going to, like... The only time that they might, like, you know, quote-unquote, do us favors or be more consumer-friendly is in the hopes of still getting a wider volume of sales or that kind of thing. So, like, basically, it's a good reminder for us to, like, cancel the ideas in our heads that we've created that, like, well, God of War must have spent... You know, they had to make the new version on PS5, so that's why it's $10 more. It's like... Yeah, I, I mean, like that's what they can point to, but it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like they're gonna charge what they think they can get away with, basically. Um, so this is a bad thing, guys. Come on, at least, at least if they could have said, "Here's the Switch Two version of the same game looks better," and that's seventy bucks, you know, then I'd be like, "All right, fine, okay, I can, I can, I can accept that." Um, but at this, on the other note, it's like there's inflation and. You know, they um they gotta pay their employees and all that good stuff too. It's just a it's a weird spot to to start this, like you said. Well, here's an interesting thing I just thought about and I'm currently looking it up, so give me a second. Why isn't this loading? Okay, this is interesting. Nintendo has another first party game coming out uh April, May, a month before Zelda. Pikmin Four, oh, actually no, wait. a month, two months after, yeah, two that months after. It's July twenty first. I just looked up the price. Guess how much Pikmin Four is? Sixty. Yep, <laughs> which makes this even more annoying. It. So they're Zelda really tax. Going... You got the Zelda tax. Yeah. <laughs> they're really going with the Zelda tax, which I don't know. I'm, I'm hesitant. I like the idea where things can be. There can be a standard where. Uh, there's a there's $60 game, I guess. It just felt like it was more democratic, where, like, it didn't matter the the legacy of your game uh, or, or whatever it is, or even the size, necessarily. It was more like, you know, it's a price that we found that a lot of people can get in at. And we're not, like, trying to be super elite about it. It's like, here's something that is the same for everyone, whether you're, you're rich or 
four or whatever, like that's the floor, like that gets you in. And I don't like this idea of certain franchises doing this. Well, how much is the the annual plan for expansion pack? Is it fifty? The base is twenty. I'm pretty sure per year. It's quite cheap. And then the expansion, I want to say, adds ten. So maybe it's thirty a year, something like that. Okay, I thought people were saying it was fifty, but I could be wrong. That might be. I know there's also like a family family plan. Yeah. Maybe that's fifty. Maybe I'm wrong entirely, and it's fifty. I don't know. I'm looking it up now. Yeah, it's 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 a bummer because. They're going to have to, like, swing through hoops to justify it to people. Not that they'll change it or anything, but, yeah, it's just weird. And to your point, it's like, well, you know, this company could sell this product at $5 and still double their profits. But if they can sell you on the fact that it actually is worth $9.99, they're going to do that. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to the whole conversation we had about, like, one of the problems with capitalism is that a lot of these businesses, it has to see year-over-year growth. So even though you're making... 20% 20% profit margins, even if next year you either stay at 20% profit margins or go up to 21, sorry, we need to hit this metric of going up to 28%. And then that's why you end up seeing these businesses fail or having to fire. Sta- it's like this capitalism, man. I fucking hate it. <laughs> I hate like it so weird much. to say, because it's like also like helps make this possible that we can have this many games and that kind of shit, but we need way better guardrails, I think, um, mostly on the employee side. That's a whole So I'm looking at it. Nintendo Switch Online is twenty bucks a year. Nintendo Switch okay. expansion is fifty bucks a year. Wow, it is fifty. Okay, dang. And that's for individual. For family, it's thirty five a year for Switch Online and it's eighty a year for expansion pack. That's like a really wide difference for the expansion giving you what Sega and N sixty four and now GBA. Like Well, so I'm looking at the differences. Let's look at the differences real quick. So they both give you online play. They both give you NES. Yep. Yep. They both give you Super NES. They both give you Game Boy. They both give you saved, uh, saved Data Cloud. They both give you the Switch Online app. They both give you special offers, whatever that means. Now, here's where the bonuses you get for the expansion pack. N64, Game Boy Advance, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Course Pass, Animal Crossing New Horizons Happy Home Paradise. That's all the DLCs. Splatoon 2 Octo Expansion. Sega Genesis, oh boy, people paying yep. that premium for Sega Genesis. Yep. Yeah, so. And even then, the isn't the Nintendo 64 catalog kind of not great right now? Well, like, they're missing a lot of, like, rare games and stuff. That might be. Obviously, it's also a function of that catalog not being originally all that great. There's obviously some good... Oh, I love the 64 catalog. Oh, I do too, but, like... Um, cause that's, I grew up on that shit. But a lot of it's licensed too, right? Which is yeah. the issue as well. Yeah. A lot of stuff that didn't age well and a lot of like, kind of junk, but obviously some absolute gems came out on 64. A lot of rare stuff, Zelda's. But like, you can't charge me 70 bucks for the worst hardware on the market and you can't charge me $50 a year for the worst yeah. online on the market. Mm-hmm. They have the worst online. My friends and I were so excited to play Smash Brothers online, and their servers continue to still be ass. It's awful. But it's like, well, Nintendo has the best catalog. Well, I mean, you can argue PlayStation 2, but they, uh, PlayStation doesn't want you to play those games in the modern era, apparently, because they never give you access. But, like, yeah, it's, it's a bummer, man. We're going to pay $70, and we're going to complain about it, but it still doesn't mean that it should happen, which sucks. But yeah, bravo to you for calling the, uh, the, the Game Boy stuff. Nailed it. 
I because we I kept on wanting like the past couple of years like oh they're gonna they're gonna do GameCube next for the membership and it's like no no they're still remastering those games right and I I had totally forgotten about Game Boy until um I've been uh, I thought about I was thinking a lot about about Oracle of Seasons and Ages uh late last year and uh, Link's Awakening and stuff so it just felt like oh that's so obvious like how didn't I think of that sooner I'm sure other people did. I still think we get GameCube before even DS because DS is going to be the hardest thing to translate to the Switch. Yeah, I've um, I've been like, I've looked into a lot of people on the Steam. Obviously, are doing like some wild emulation stuff on the Steam Deck, and emulating uh, DS games. I'm like, how do they do that? Allegedly, they're allegedly doing it. We don't want we don't want to call it anybody out, but allegedly they're doing it. <laughs> yeah, whatever people might do on the internet with their things. Um. And it's this weird thing of like, you know, you get your main screen and you can either set it up to where like you, with a button press, you swap the whole screen between them. So say you got to go to the map really quick, you got to swap the whole screen. Um, that's not going to work for every game, obviously, where you need to do things simultaneously or see things on both screens. Or it's like, you know, 90% of the screen is the main screen and then you get a tiny little box down at the corner with the, the touch screen and then a big black bar above it, um, which just feels so awkward. But I guess it works. Um, and obviously with touchscreens, like you have the touchscreen on the Switch, so that's your first. Um, you know, that makes that possible. So I, I don't know. I'll be curious. I, I don't know that they'll do it uh, for, for Switch. It, it just feels like uh, they wouldn't be able to make it elegant enough. Although. Yeah, that could be a I total. That, that could be a selling point, like a, for an accessory for the next mod Switch or console they do too. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see, I that. guess. So that's it for that. Let's talk about what we've been playing. Um, so I wanted to mention I've been Darkest Dungeon was re-put on Game Pass. So I've been dabbling with that. Really? Yeah. It was on Game Pass for a while, and then it got removed, and it got put back on a couple of days ago. Actually, the same day that they announced the release date for Darkest Dungeon 2. Pretty smart. Or at least it was close to the same day. And Darkest Dungeon 2 is actually coming out in May, I believe. Um, I dabbled with it when it originally came out on PC. Um, but I stopped playing, and I was like, I'll play when it gets to Game Pass. And when it got on Game Pass, I was playing other stuff. And then by the time I wanted to play it, it wasn't on Game Pass. So now it's finally back on it, so I hop back in. Love that game. Um, Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition, I also dabbled with a bit on console. That's really fun. Um, the console controls work way better than I anticipated. I saw that in a lot of the reviews when it came out. It's just cool to play an Age of Empires game on console and I'm hoping that they bring Age of Mythology to console because that's my favorite of that franchise is the Age of Mythology games. I remember playing those for hours on my uh, computer, on my parents' computer. Um, and I'm, I hope we get a new Civ Rev in the future, Civilization Revolution. I just like those type of uh, 4X games on console. Um, you know, real-time strategy. Uh, I also dabbled with GoldenEye 007, and boy, does that game not hold up. God, it's yeah. awful. I, God, it is awful. I've been so weirded out by like seeing how many people clamoring over it and wanting it again. And I'm like, you guys, is this the same game I'm thinking of that like just was designed for that single stick N64 controller? And I just, I don't know, guys. Like it was fun at the time, but when well, all my nostalgia is in local multiplayer with people yeah. entirely. So the yeah. fact that it doesn't have that, and I'm just playing the missions, which I was never ever a huge fan of. The modernized version of the controls is fine, but the game design is horrible. There's, like, no explanation of where you're supposed to go, what you're supposed to do, indicators yeah. of doors that you can open or paths you can do. It's awful. Mm. I, I understand the nostalgia, guys. I totally get it, but 
No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm yeah. good. I'd love to see an actual like remake that was in the rumors. Like I'd love to see that, but that would this, be cool. nah, I'm I am or a good. New game in the series, like entirely. That'd be cool too. I feel like that would do really well. Yeah. Um it's not great. Uh and the last thing I wanted to mention, I actually got a code for this. Uh so hashtag uh not a sponsor, hashtag code provided by. Um I actually got a code from uh THQ Nordic for SpongeBob the Cosmic Shake. Um obviously this is like the spiritual sequel to SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom, which I absolutely adore. Totally a seven. You know, it's 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 just a three D platformer, it's collectathon. It is what it is. This is very much the same thing, just with prettier graphics. Um, a lot of the SpongeBob comedies in there. They do a fun thing with uh, basically each level is like a multiverse kind of thing with the characters. Where like the one I'm in now is like a western. So Mr. Krabs is like the the outlaw, and it, it's really fun. Like if you dig SpongeBob and you want to play just a mid 2000s 3D platformer, it's great. Obviously, if you compare it to like modern games, it's it's a seven at best, but there's nothing wrong with that. Like I went in knowing what I wanted from it, and it's giving me exactly that. As long as you go in knowing that and wanting that, you'll be completely fine. It's like no one should go into this game thinking it's going to reinvent the 3D platformer. You're going in because it's yeah. a licensed SpongeBob game where you get to hear Patrick make some dumb jokes and SpongeBob be aloof at times. Um, the cool thing with this one is in the game you get to ride the the seahorses, which obviously in the cartoon there's like a big story arc with spongebob and neptunia i believe is the name of the the seahorse the green seahorse in the show but that's really cool it adds a new dynamic it's very similar to the crash bandicoot levels down where you're running away running at the screen away from something but you're not running in that same direction it's just like they're more like racing uh sections of the game where you're trying to get all the objects and stuff having a blast with it like i said it's it's totally a seven a seven out of ten but it's a 10 out of 10 for what i wanted out of it if that makes sense so having a blast with that Last thing I wanted to mention is in a video game, but if anybody's listening to this podcast, they know how much we love Dark Souls and we love Dark Fantasy, and the number one thing that inspired Dark Souls and much of Dark Fantasy is Berserk. And for my birthday, my mom actually bought me the the deluxe volume of the 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 deluxe first volume for Berserk. There's thirteen of them, I think. Now, I've been reading through. I think. Have you ever seen these, Dom? No, I obviously know of the comic and stuff, but I've not actually seen the, the whole volume. Be culture, Dom. It's a manga. It's a Japanese. I, I, I think as soon as it <laughs> came out kidding. of my mouth, I knew like that's not what we're supposed to call it. But that that is the most American white guy thing you've ever said, and I love it. Yeah, it's fine. I I call them comics forever, dude. It's that's essentially what they are. The cool thing though, the difference between manga and comics is that most of the time, the person who is the artist on it is also the writer. Oh. I which mean, is super is cool. It's called like mangaka is the name of the person making the manga, which I think is dope because it's very much like creator controlled stuff, which I, I love not to say there aren't American artists, comic book writers. They, they do exist, but with manga, it seems to be like a very, very much like a traditional thing of the art. Anyways, the guy who wrote uh, berserk ended up passing away recently and they're looking to finish this series out for him. His family members and I believe his assistant have all of his works. It's kind of like Tolkien. Remember Tolkien passed away before all of his works were published and his family kind of published the rest of it for him. It's the art in it is absolutely incredible. Um, the first deluxe edition costs, I think like 40 to 50 bucks. And obviously it's a little bit slightly more expensive than the newer ones because it's the oldest one that came out. They all range between like 35 to 50 bucks and it's worth it because they're 
thick. Um, so the the anime that came out in the in the nineties, there's one that came out in like the mid aughts. Don't watch it. It's it has the weird like three D animation. But the one that came out in the nineties is basically the second story arc of the of Berserk. So it starts off where like you're in the middle of the story and you find out about this dude named Guts who's like this swordsman who hunts like demons and people dumb. And then by the end of this first deluxe edition, which is like the first four volumes, the next story arc is goes back in time to when he they he was originally found as like like a an orphan soldier guy. And it kind of builds up on that. So it's like you start in the middle of the story and then you go back, which is sick. And the when he first starts off is what the anime is adapted on. So it's kind of weird for me because I watched the entire anime, which is like 20 some episodes. And that takes place when, like I said, the the going back in time. So starting this one, you're like you're already in the thick of it. It's like he's more of a badass than you ever see in the anime, which is cool. And the imagery in this is way darker and more grotesque and violent than probably 90% of things you'll see out there, but you can like reading through the pages and seeing the art and stuff. I'm like, I totally get where uh, Miyazaki and the people at from were inspired to make dark souls. And apparently it gets even more savage, like a uh, blide from Elden ring. He's his look is based off of, or slightly based off of later in the berserk manga guts gets like this wolf armor. That's like super sick. So like his design is like th- them thinking about making a like a wolf warrior dude is like kind of inspired by that, which is cool. And yeah, it's dope. I highly suggest it to anyone who's interested in from software. Um, one thing is I love books, and one of my favorite things is like a leather bound book. Nothing smells quite like it, and I love that smell. Oh, if you ever like gotten a big leather, yeah, it's if you look it up on Amazon, you look up Deluxe Edition Berserk. It's a very beautifully made book. It's like thick black leather. The embossing on the front is like uh, this rich red text for the logo and stuff. But yeah, man, I was, I've been suggested it a lot because of my love for From Software. And I kind of love to see where people gather inspiration from based on the works that they do. So I was like, this has to be good if it's inspired so much good shit. Uh, kind of like the reason I went and watched Cowboy Bebop, the anime, which I also highly suggest. Uh, not that it inspired From, but it inspired other stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm having a blast with that. I'm already almost done with it, and it's super thick as hell. So having a blast there. So yeah, that's I've been reading a lot of Berserk. I'm actually gonna probably end up buying the vo- the second volume here pretty soon. You have anything to mention in terms of what you've been playing? I know you want to hop into Metroid Prime Trilogy as soon as that physical comes out. But anything in the meantime? Yeah. So in the meantime, actually, I've been playing a little game called Hotline Miami. Actually, Hotline Miami Two. I've finished both of them somehow on Switch. Uh, it's on sale like so there's a collection for a couple bucks and i'd heard of it um but then i already i had a, a, a preconception that it was just twin stick shooter like lots of shooting and just chaos kind of a game and it's actually and, and this is i think it first came out like 2012 or 13 so it's a bit older of an indie game at this point but a lot of people like it so it's actually it's extremely tactical and it, like um there's a lot of strategy involved, I guess. Yeah. It's like a puzzle game in a way, too, right? Kind of. Exactly. Because I, I always thought it was just kind of like, you just go in blunt, guns blazing and have fun. But no, it's actually very, um, very puzzly. Because basically, you die extremely quickly. But also, you kill everyone extremely quickly. But um, that that's what makes it like very... Um, it reminds me a lot of um, what I've seen from Celeste. Where uh, extremely challenging, 
you can die in an instant, but then you're immediately starting again, right? There's no loading. It's just like, boom, you're right back into it. And so it's very addictive in that sense. Um, so I had a ton of fun for some, for some reason, I just found that and just like binged right through both games. And I was like, wow, this, these are great. Just absolutely addictive. And the story was insanity and nonsense. I tried to even look up after finishing the game, each game, like what happened and it didn't make that much more sense even after that's apparently part of it. Um, is the story is weird and crazy and convoluted and um, psychedelic even at times and stuff like that. But yeah, that's for some odd reason. That's what I've been playing recently. Hotline Miami. It just cut train. You're like, I'm going to hop in and then it just absolutely consumed you. Yeah. Something about it, it even made me kind of want to go and play Grand Theft Auto. Cause I've never finished a Grand Theft Auto game and I still have five. Like I think it's even still downloaded on my PlayStation. I've never like all the way through it but the whole vibe of it is uh this it's in my in, um hotline is in miami and you know you're in these fuse between these different mob groups and different countries and there's all sorts of espionage and all sorts of wild shit like that um but the music is really cool it's got that like 80s miami kind of soundtrack that like apparently i'm familiar with kind of connected i knew what it was trying to do somehow but yeah so weirdly just felt like that felt like playing hotline miami so it's weird that so i obviously hotline miami came out in 2012 and then hotline miami 2 came out in 2015 and i was thinking i was like what have the developers made since then so i went and looked it up and they haven't made a game since which is weird Hmm. but it says here on new year's eve december 2020 jonathan soderstrom posted a tweet mentioning denitin which is denitin games the developer unannounced game it is a passion project so i'm not sure who will enjoy it but i'm sure i'm sure some people will be horrified and others delighted oh my so i wonder if that means it's hotline mammy 3 or if it's something else uh i'd be curious to see if they could take that formula and translate it to 3d like a first person shooter i think so yeah definitely i think that would work it might yeah, be it's, it's just weird that they made those two hit games and kind of been gone for a while just yeah, like that could be an interesting 3d game it'd be, it'd be some design choices you'd have to make i'm not sure of but it could be cool at least like at least with like the vibe that the setting and the music and all that um would, would obviously be cool what am i talking about it already exists rock hey city <laughs> um, you know that game that you, you know what i'm talking about no i don't that game that was revealed at the game awards that everyone joked about that has like michael rooker and all the celebrities in it City. Yeah, it has like Michael Rooker and uh, I think like Danny Trejo and like a bunch of celebrities in it. You don't remember this? This was like a joke on the internet after the Game Awards. Prime boss, Rocket City. <laughs> yeah, oh this my. is wild. You're right. Yeah. This kind of looks like it. Florida in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anything else other than the hotline? No, that's that's been it. Not too much. That's been uh, it. Gaming going on. Do you have uh, do you have any interest in uh, ever checking out Berserk? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, right there, I'm right there with with um, being into the From Software game. So, yeah, that's all I've teetered on that, and I've I've been like actually looking at um, different, not a comic. Anyway, I've been curious. It's a separate conversation because I was going to go talk <laughs> about comics, but this is not a comic. Um, but anyway. 
Yeah, I thought that's one that I've been I've teetered on. Like maybe I could get into that, but now that you've talked about it the way you have, um, especially like the way you describe the actual physical book, uh, pretty cool. So, um, I'll, I'll I'll take a closer look, see what's going on. Oh, and it has my favorite thing about collecting volumes of anything, where like the spine and all of the spines are designed in a way that they look so dope if you put them on a shelf together. Oh, just chef's kiss. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it for this week. Um, next week, maybe we'll get a PlayStation event. We've had an Xbox event. We have a Nintendo event. Hey, somebody can dream. Um, yeah, I don't think any major releases will come out before next week because it's going to be the following week where we're getting Metroid Prime Physical. We're getting Atomic Heart. So uh, we'll be interesting to see what news stories break in the next couple of weeks. Um, I know people might you know, ask why we didn't mention Hogwarts Legacy or anything. We're just, neither of us are playing it, so we don't really have much to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much what it is. It. Uh, yeah. we're, not the, we're not the place for coverage for it. Uh, plenty of, obviously, plenty of other places on the internet where you can get that coverage. Um, yeah, so we'll catch you guys next time. If you can, please follow us on YouTube, search Controlled Interests. We'll pop right up, subscribe, never miss a video in your subscription box. Hit the like notification on the video so we help, uh, helps us in the algorithm. Leave us a comment, let us know well, your favorite announcement was the Nintendo Direct. Was it Tears of the Kingdom? Was it Sea of Stars release date? Any and all of the above. Other than that, you can follow us on Twitter collectively at CTRLINT. It's controlled interest abbreviated. You can follow us individually. Dom is at OB Dom Kenobi. The O in OB is the number zero, not the letter O. And you can follow me at Jared Weich. J-E-R-R-A-D-W-I-C-H-E. Uh, if you tweet at me, I'll reply as long as I have enough replies left on my daily limit before I have to pay for that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyways, we'll catch you guys next time. Fuck Elon Musk. Bye.